0: Hey everybody and welcome to Dublin Tech Talks podcast, uh, Ireland's leading technology startup and leadership podcasts. We talk with leaders in Ireland and around the world uh, to get their thoughts on business, leadership, funding, scaling, work practices, well-being and, and everything in between. On today's show we speak with Patrick Gary, co-founder and CEO of Loyal App. Uh, Loyal App is a provider of the customized payments of physical omnichannel businesses. Loyal App mission is to evolve payments technology to bridge the physical uh, and online world. Our podcasts are brought to you by Icon Accounting, Ireland's leading and fastest growing provider of one-stop shop accountancy and compliance services for independent professional contractors in Ireland. We hope you enjoy the show. So Patrick, uh, thanks Mill, for joining Dublin Tech Talks today. It's great to see you. Thanks very much. Um, So Loyal App, it's, you know, you're saying you want to evolve payment technology, bridge the physical and online world. Can you just tell us a bit more about what the product is and what you're trying to do?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so in about 2012, my co-founder Connor O'Toole and I, we, we were exploring business opportunities around physical presence retailers. That was kind of our primary interest. So I, I was working in banking in Deutsche Bank. And Connor was working in technology consulting in Accenture, and we started to learn a little bit about um, what Starbucks were doing in the US. They had just released this app that was quite popular, like a, a loyalty app. It was it was very basic at the time, but all it did was if you were if you were a customer of Starbucks, you could download this application. You could get rewarded for for any transaction get stars or stuff so like a digitizing the loyalty system and we essentially looked at this and we're like well it's it's this is pretty cool this can definitely grow legs and add more features and functionality to help digitize businesses like digitize physical presence businesses so we're like well there's a there's a huge option for this as a platform so if starbucks make this work which they have like i mean in the, in the succeeding what's that eight years like they've added online ordering, like mobile payments, top up your account. Like anytime I'm in New York and all you have to do is go into any Starbucks and you'll see people just run in and grab their coffee. About 50% of their transactions are the mobile, the mobile wallet. So we were definitely correct in, in, in that assumption that all businesses were going to want it. It was just a matter of, of time to kind of get there. And we had to take the product on a journey to get there. Because obviously we didn't have those types of resources so we had to be more strategic in terms of what products we developed first in order to get there so the first product we developed uh, was a, a basic loyalty system like this was back in late 2012 early 2013 uh, at that point, it was a, a user mobile app, like called Loyal App, just like it is today. It looked very different, and it was just a QR code uh, that told you that you could get scammed, and it showed you a balance. And then the business had a business app called Loyal App Merchant, which we still have. Again, looks a lot different. It does a lot more things now. But the business would scan the consumer, put in the price of the product, uh, and press Add. And then it would look to the server, see how much loyalty is available for that product and add it to the consumer's account. You accumulate the balance and then you redeem it once you have a sufficient amount of balance. Uh, and that, that was the entry level product, the logic being every, every business, or well, most business types need a loyalty system. So this way we could get it into restaurants, cafes, uh, dry cleaners, a uh, couple of other different verticals. And then over time, we just expanded the technology, so added gift card elements, added online ordering, added self checkout, uh, and last year we kind of did the the biggest addition to the system, kind of switched over to a brand new platform, and and introduced what we call campaigns, which is basically just hyper loyalty. So that's uh, you you can essentially program your business. So if if Gavin spends X euro in Y period, then give him a free coffee. If uh, Gavin has spent over 200 quid in the last year, but for some reason hasn't visited for the last six months, send a push notification to him with a specific offer to come back. So what we realized over time was that The market that we were most looking to attract, which was businesses between one and you know a hundred branches, you know, so we weren't going for the McDonald's of this world because we we know that McDonald's has their own capabilities to build this technology internally. Our market is pretty much everybody below McDonald's and Starbucks, anybody who doesn't have the capabilities to build this stuff internally, and. These guys just don't have the time. They don't have the time to every day log into a platform and create new offers and programs and, and, and essentially look at this. They need to automate it. So we, we came up with a system whereby you could launch a loyalty system that always ran in the background and just always worked. And you could check in on progress rather than check in and actually do things. And but-
0: I, I remember actually when it, when it came, I remember seeing the digitization of loyalty cards um, in a sandwich bar around Grand Canal one day. And I still have cards in my, I still have paper cards in my, my, my wallet that, for coffee shops and sandwich bars. W- why is there such a, you know, a resistance to digitize it? There's, you know, it seems so simple now. And like, you know, I'm guessing with moving forward that it's going to be very much a digital first Environment, but what were the kind of uh, restrictions or resistors when you were kind of launching it first?
1: Yeah, well, like you could draw the same comparison with debit cards and credit cards. Like, all, all you need to do is go back to the, the early 90s, and it still was very common to be told, Sorry, we don't accept cards. There was a perception in the market that accepting card payments, you know, which could be anything from 1% or 2%, I know that's a terrible amount of money, but people weren't considering the cost of cash. You know, they weren't considering, well, you know, the banks charge you quite a bit to put the cash in the bank now, and it costs money to get it to the bank, and uh, the bank actually charges you negative interest rates sometimes. So cash had a cost, but because the cost was hidden, the merchant didn't see it, mm. whereas the credit card or the debit card accepting costs are very clear, relatively clear, so you can see them so like it it took what like forty fifty years from the first debit cards or first credit cards, like the Sears had one and then Visa and MasterCard to today, where they're ubiquitous, and like yeah. currently now obviously in in covid they're at a hundred percent, and the interesting question now is, will they go back to where they were at like eighty twenty or is there going to be an immediate shift now to ninety ten but like to answer your question directly the the resistance comes from the seamlessness. So like if you have a paper stamped loyalty card, like theoretically you're just, it's a piece of paper you can stamp it with um, yeah. that punch yoke and, uh, and it works. And, and it, has, it has an effect, like customers have them in their pockets and they do come back with those. There is the, uh, there is the draw of that loyalty system. What that misses out on is the, the data element and the seamlessness that we can offer. So if you have that, on a mobile app, well then the consumer can pay and learn and earn loyalty in one seamless transaction, which is what we try to push for. So you link your debit card to a digital wallet, then you pay with the app, and when you pay, it takes the funds from your account and automatically adds your loyalty. And obviously, every time you make a transaction, the system learns, so it knows if you spend more than X in Y period, you can get extra loyalty. But the businesses, and rightly so, they don't want that unless it's absolutely simple. So we had huge problems at the start because we were trying to sell them an external tablet to process this stuff. Uh, And it was only in 2014 when when we saw the Clover point-of-sale system uh, from AIB Merchant Services come into the Irish market that we were like, oh yeah, no, this is the future of our business. Uh, It's not about... Because we, we had tried prior to that, but the point-to-sale companies wouldn't talk to us. They, they saw us as a competitor, uh, whereas we always saw ourselves as an augment. We were like, well, look, you lads focus on building the best point-to-sale system you possibly can. And leave the CRM and digital engagement uh, to us. That's going to be our sole focus. And Clover saw it the exact same way. So it had this open integration policy. So within a couple of months, we could integrate onto that. And the next thing, our apps became a tool that you could download on your existing point of sale without any need for external hardware. Uh, and then that was our cue for rapid growth only when we did that. And now we're doing further point of sale systems. So the reason, the reason for the resistance is the merchant just wants it seamless integrated with their pause. The challenge is there's thousands of point of sale systems. So we have several different strategies to how we can integrate with as many as possible, uh, but you know we know what the we know what the business wants. So we know that the future is for for Loyola to be integrated directly into point of sales at a product level, so that we can provide like a small local coffee shop with the same powerful loyalty system that a, a multinational retailer might have.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting. It's it's the evolution of where we where thought process has come and gone is, is actually really interesting you look at companies like pointy that you know have revolutionized that kind of small shop thought process into yeah. you know everybody can access the data and be available to everybody does irrespective of who the kind of retailer is
1: yeah and, and pointy had a, a very successful uh, successful exit and they had a um... They had a similar strategy at the start. They had the they had a, a challenge in that there was a piece of hardware that you had to plug into the point-of-sale, but in about 2012, 2013, the point-of-sale systems changed their tune a little bit and started to let third-party companies like ourselves and Pointy integrate directly into the point-of-sale system. Uh, and then it just became a better marketplace for everyone. Now the, now the merchant can have several different companies operating out of one piece of hardware rather than having 10, you know, you know the crack one is like um, you have your Uber Eats printer there and your Deliveroo printer there. That's not what businesses want. Like businesses want um, minimalist point of sale system. The experience needs to be focused on the actual product. If the future is to walk into your coffee shop, and you, you can obviously do it now, even with Loyalab, do a click and collect. You can walk in yeah. and grab your coffee. But even if you don't do that, like the experience has to be walk in get your product and leave, the The payment needs to be as hidden as possible. That the, the the experience just comes more about like the product that you're purchasing and and the experience of that in itself, rather than having to take out your card, tap that, then take out your loyalty thing and tap that. that. Our aim is to eradicate that and make it, send it to the background.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, it's one of the most frustrating things you can do when you're buying a coffee is take out your loyalty scan Double click your phone, take out your wallet, scan, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it didn't re- it didn't facially recognize me. Oh, I have to give me a second after. And like, yeah. I know first, I first world problems and everything they are, but you know, it's it is that kind of frictionless process that people are going towards, and it's the, whoever makes it easiest is going to be the people that people use.
1: Yeah, and you're you're dead right. That is that is the aim of the game. Uh, like so even at the moment, the process with loyal apps so of say, if you have a, a white label application that we've developed, so you want to go to pay. Now you already have your card link So you need to open your phone, open the app. It's two clicks, you know, and the mm. facial recognition, and then you have to pop the QR code to, to pay. So it's three or four, three or four clicks. You're talking three seconds and that's the payment and the loyalty in one. But even at that like we find that that's not good enough. Like, we feel that the way of payments of the future is to let people pay in the manner that's most applicable to them. So if you want to pay with your phone, by all means, uh, if you want to pay with a plastic card. So for a lot of our merchants, we develop uh, gift cards, but they're contactless gift cards. So there's a little RFID chip inside of them. Mm. But, A gift card doesn't have to be used once. Like a a gift card can actually be a store of value card, which for your local restaurant or your dry cleaner, there's no reason why the business owner there, why she couldn't give you a card branded for their business, that you would link that plastic card to Loyal App and you would tap away with that card. And now you've taken it from opening up an app to, actually, I just have to tap this hard because that's associated with my account and when I tap that on the point of sale system the transaction processes without me needing and actually the the latest thing we've done and this like we're literally doing at the moment is with the with the watches so we are getting custom made loyal app straps for the apple watch and for the uh, galaxy watch and the other brand as well I forget who they are but inside of this custom strap, so we're getting it made by a, a chap in Kildare, uh, Dubweir's leather, and he's making these custom leather straps. Inside the strap is a small RFID chip. You link that to your Loyal App account, and then in any place that accepts Loyal App, whether it's your local pub or coffee shop, you're literally just tapping the strap of your watch in order to pay because the the internal technology on this, like your, your Apple pay. And there was like an antitrust case just opened up today with Apple based on, you know, how they don't let third parties compete on their actual hardware for payments. So our way around that is, well, we won't compete on your hardware if you won't let us in there, but we can compete on the strap. Yeah. Uh, And that way you can now pay with your strap. So this is all like my perfect vision of being able to pay because we have a pub beside our office here called Lucky's. And they use our software, uh, and now once they reopen on the 29th all the guys in here will be able to go in because we've bought loads of credit for there, uh, and we'll be able to go in and pay with our watch straps. And we've now achieved the dream. Yeah, uh,
0: there'd be no excuse anymore. You can't even say I forgot my wallet; it's not my round.
1: No, well, like it's software testing. You know, when we go in for a few drinks after work. <laughs> so,
0: so, yeah, no, that's essential. Um, no like it, it it reading through your product line it's it 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 seems that the evolution of the business has been you know not just well thought out but it's you know quite quite nicely tied into where we are going to around the contactless and um, you know having a, a single entity for your you know for your your, your loyalty uh, I love the watch ideas as a runner like if I'm going running I'll have my, my watch with me and you know, if you're thirsty, you can't buy anything unless you have a, a Garmin pay or whatever. So, yeah, big, big fan of that. Um, has the, you know, the evolution of the product line seems, you know, strategic? And I'm going to guess it was. But has it been, you know, sped up with the adoption of pay or contactless payments now, of the adoption of wallets on phones, everything kind of, nobody carrying a wife and carried a wallet around in about eight weeks 12 weeks you know is that just kind of really supercharged the growth pl- um plans
1: uh, it has yeah like covid has certainly supercharged things uh, for for one consumers like you aren't carrying their wallets anymore mm. so it it, it makes more sense to people to have one digital account. Like that's what we're aiming for, to be the digital wallet of choice for people. And the reason you'll pay with Loyal App or both Apple Pay or Google Pay is because we have a more rewarding payments experience. When you, mm. when you pay with us, you get something back. You're helping a retailer become smarter about their business. And we're offering more functionality to make your life more convenient, like to be able to order ahead and pay in, in place with one seamless piece of technology in terms of like Connor and I have had a strategy about how we would go about this. So we knew we couldn't just develop the whole thing in a kind of stealth mode for five years because we couldn't afford to, <laughs> uh, but we could come out with products that inter- intertwined with each other perfectly. Uh, so loyalty was immediately followed by gift cards, was immediately followed by order ahead, was followed by self-service kiosks Uh, but a lot of our growth we talk about it in terms of having two tracks so we have the one track that we're constantly working on uh and that's our our strategy and that's where we see the world going but the other track is what comes from time to time from our customers so there's things that that we haven't seen that our customers have brought to our attention and they're saying well you know we would like to do this and then if we see that there's a couple of customers coming to us with the same demands well, then we're like well, lads there's actually there's a, a good deal of mm. credence here in exploring this product for a while or as well the fact that we're a bootstrap startup so we never raised funds uh so our growth was always based on our customers so from time to time customers would come to us with custom solutions and that was our growth strategy we could we could charge to build a custom solution but then that custom solution was swallowed into the entire product, and then we could offer that to everybody else. So our growth has been a mixture of two things. One, the actual strategy about where we're going and making the product more seamless, more automated, and just easy to use. And two, the client-driven demand from clients who are coming to us and saying they need X, Y, and Z. Because we're we're 16 people. We're, we're hardly going to be able to figure out absolutely everything, but if you have 2,000 clients and 16 people, you have 2,000 pieces of excellent feedback coming to you all the time from people yeah. who are working in this all the time. There's no point to us telling people what the future is. There's obviously a degree of us having an opinion about that, what about what that is, but it's about having that opinion yourselves, but being, being willing to amend that slightly based on, well, if 2000 people are telling me something different to what I think myself, well, then I need to change my opinion.
0: And, and it's not like the, the crescendo of that is the campaigns aspect of you know what you like, you know, I I love the strategy around that smart data driven, you know, con- like customer led buying, but the you know, the retailer actually really getting to understand who their clients are. Um, and understanding simple things as you said, if I spend twenty quid a month, could I spend twenty five if I got a little bit extra? You know, and then, yeah. you know, again that really looking and focusing on your customer experience is, is something I love when I go shopping. You know, I, I do try and get out of the customer experience. When I have a bad customer experience, I probably won't go back. Um, yeah. You know, making it easier for me. I'm, I'm one of these people that walks into a clothes shop and if somebody asks me, can they help? I say, yes, I'm looking for this. I'm not one that turns around and goes, no, you're grand. I'm just browsing and leaves. So I'm like, here, I'm coming in to get this. Do you have it? Yes. No. Great. I'm gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if that is making it, easier for people i shop with to say okay gavin we're having you know flat whites or two for one this week you know also you can get something nice as well along with it i'll be there (laughs) so yeah you know i I really i love that idea is there been a a big uptake in, in that
1: yeah quite quite significant like so when we develop further functionality we we give it to all of the customers so like a huge selling point is when you talk to a customer, like, well, you know, what you're paying 40 euros a month for now, in two years' time, you know, we can promise you'll be paying the same amount, but it's going to do three times more than it currently does. So if you're happy with what you're buying today, we can really assure you you're going to be happy with what you have in in six months, a year, two years' time. Uh, But the logic on campaigns is that it's, it's just an endless product, is how we see it. Uh, it. It just gets better and better. It's obviously a buzz term right now, but putting elements of predictive analysis and machine learning into this is the future, and that's where we're starting to invest now. So it's, it's important to understand how time-strapped business owners are. They don't have the time to go in and think about these things. They don't have the time to understand campaigns like we do. So our logic is we're going to suggest to them what they should be doing. Uh, And the machine will get smarter and smarter as more millions of transactions are going through it. That we're going to get businesses to the point where your local sandwich shop can be more advanced than some online retailer that's been smashing them for the last 15 years. But you can look at it in a way that like, data goes missing all the time. When you go in and you buy a coffee and you tap your card, okay, your, your Revolut account is going to say that three euros came off of your card, but it doesn't know what you purchased. Uh, and that's where we see the majority of the value is yes. taking it that last step into understanding what's the product that this consumer bought? Because if we can get that, then the, compa- the campaign's functionality becomes ludicrously smarter. You can get to the point that there's four croissants left today. Let's just tell that to the system uh, or the system can automatically know if you've actually inputted what products you have. And it's going to send a push notification to the 20 people who buy the most croissants and tell them that the croissants are actually being sold for 20 cents right now. Because why put them in the bin when we can just cover the costs of them uh, and reduce the waste of that retailer? and that's only one example, like off the top of my head. When when you can get when you can get that data and you can mix it with the power of a mobile application to deliver a message to a consumer, that's where where we see the future of the business. Like payments, payments is cool, but payments is the means of actually ascertaining that data and mm. getting it to the next point.
0: Yeah, no, I, I worked in shops all the way through college, and I'm I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, geez, the, you know. I worked in an off license for years and it'd be an excellent product for an off license to have, you know, I don't have many customers would want to record of how much wine or beer they buy, but that, you know, Well, like we
1: can't, we can't do this stuff yet, but like take your blue yeah. shirt, say, say you're a fan of a blue shirt uh, and you go into a clothing retailer and you're always buying different variants with the same fabric at a, at a point in the future. We'll be able to know that. Uh, and we'll be able to say, well, look, based on this guy's profile, Here's another 10 guys who have also bought similar shirts, and they bought these pants, so there's a higher degree of probability that he's going to like these pants based on the shirts that he's purchased. Uh, that's where we want to take it to for retailers. Like advertising advertising is kind of broken because like you just get inundated with stuff that you're not really interested in. Uh, and Up isn't an advertising platform, but we're a means of helping our clients yeah. do a better job. And if you're a clothing retailer and you're using Loyalop, well, then the best job we can do for you is try and point you in the right directions of which customers are more likely to buy which clothes so the wrong customers don't get sent messages that aren't appropriate to them. Time is precious. So if you're going to ask for Gavin's attention, you better be have a 50% probability that he's going to be interested in what you're going to say. Otherwise he's going to turn off those push notifications.
0: And as well, when you're in store, the in-store, when growth of halo lenses or goggles or whatever we start wearing as norm, there's going to be that individualized advertising platforms that make my experience and my loyalty to whoever, Oh, they know me. No, they they know my data type thing, but they know me.
1: Um, but the data, the data aspect is important as well because like when you're dealing with so much data you obviously have to have privacy at the forefront so yeah. like the the relationship here is between Gavin and the actual business you know it's it's not about selling this dude's in uh, details on the internet to the highest bidder like the current model is on the internet yeah it's a, it's about enabling that one retailer that this person has a relationship with to will enable them to have a, a better and more accurate relationship with this person. And that's that's where the loyalty comes in. Like that's why the name is Loyal App. It stems from loyalty systems where people have understood the quid pro quo of the loyalty system since Tesco revolutionized it mm. in the 1990s. It's like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm willing to let you, Tesco, know that I'm a fan of sparkling water and this type of chocolate and this cereal uh, but in exchange, I would like some free stuff occasionally if, if that's okay. Yeah. And that's the deal. Uh, and that deal has been very popular with people in those preceding 30 years. And we're just taking it to the next level because the smartphone basically gives us a direct channel. And there's, there's no need to now mail out vouchers to people. Uh, you can you can hypercharge that. And yeah,
0: there's, there's loads of
1: opportunity. It's,
0: it's, it's frightening when you actually break it down into individual components it is of what, what, what's there. It's pretty cool. Um, so this is where you are now. It's what, eight years in making. What's the next kind of two years having planned? It's, it seems to be a very busy and you know, proactive business. So what what's the kind of next plans or is there secrecy or where, what, what can you see yourself
1: doing sooner rather than later? Not really, no. It's just throwing the kitchen sink at you there. That's everything we're doing. Um, no, we've been speaking technology. Like the the focus, uh, we have customers, like say, in nine countries now. Uh, but the the fastest growing market is the Canadian and the the US markets. So, a lot of mine and or head like partnerships or efforts are on building relationships with different companies in these different territories that actually act as resellers. Uh, of our product or they actually integrate our product into their own point-of-sale system or their own offering. So, like right now, that's the focus is on, well, that's my focus is on spreading our distribution channels and how can we actually get this product into more people's hands because it is one thing. The whole product is built in Dublin uh, but we do have sales people around the world and there is a especially through the partner companies because when you're dealing with small businesses they the last thing they ever want or even medium size any type of business the last thing they want is to be left on hold they do not want a support line they they don't want anything that's going to waste their time they want a really good relationship with a business and that's what we are endeavoring to do and we're doing that through partnership channels across the world so that's that's one of our core focuses at the moment and that's in terms of obviously just getting more sales in, in terms of technology, it's kind of like I said, it's focusing on making the system more automated. So the less work that our clients have to do, the better. The, we just want Loyal App to be a product that when you're setting up your business, just like today, you ensure that you have your credit card terminal good to go. Our vision would be in five years time, when you're setting up your business, you make sure that Loyal App is downloaded on your point of sale and ready to go. Uh, and in order to get to that, we need to continue to automate the parts of our business that are still manual, that annoy people uh, so that it can just become a one button install. The system begins to learn your business and then we can begin to help your business grow in, in an automated manner that doesn't cost you any, any any hassle.
0: And just I'll let you go soon. And the, you, you, you mentioned the company's bootstraps. Is it f- focused on funding? Is it paying for your, you know, everything's, there's obviously revenue coming through or what's the kind of, is there a growth plan that way?
1: Yes. So up, up until this point, we felt that bootstrapped was the correct approach. Like we've seen our space isn't unique. Like we're not, we're not the only people vying for this market. Uh, But what we have seen is a lot of our competitors uh, in continental Europe and in, in the United States they perhaps raised too much money too early uh, and then they were forced to put the product to rapidly expand it into as many clients as they could, you know, for obviously drop the price, have loads of sales incentives to get people to take the product. But The product wasn't ready for that. Uh, and then you like I go to the States quite a lot and then you go talk to the clients and you'd ask them candidly, oh, I've seen you use X, Y, and Z service. What do you think of it? And invariably you get an answer like, Oh, well, you know, some salesperson forced it in here and there was no cost. And they actually, they gave me a voucher for 50 quid for Amazon. If I took it, you know, that's not what we wanted. Like, We wanted to get it to the point where people want to pay us to put the product in, which we're at. Uh, and now our focus is turning to like, well, we do have good distribution channels. So like we may raise around the funding, uh, in the not too distant future, based on the success that we have, but we feel that now is the right time to do this because we have put the hard graft in. Like We understand the product, we understand the market, uh, and we have good growth trajectory. It's it's dangerous in this particular industry uh, when you're dealing B2B and it's a hard sale because you're selling to the most astute buyers in the market. You know, You're not selling shoes online here. You're selling a product to a business owner who's very astute about what she buys. And she realizes that a product like Loyola is something that is a relationship for years. It's not something that you can buy once and and leave. So they're very astute in terms of how they buy. So we just have to focus on product and focus on reputation. But now that we've done both of those very well, uh, yeah, we we do feel that there's there's space to expand further. So like a round of funding would, would probably help that in the not too distant future.
0: Well, it sounds really exciting. The product is, you know, looks really well, and the, the offerings are great. Um, congratulations first and foremost. It's been uh, sure, is it,
1: It's you.
0: been it's been great chatting to you, uh, and I look forward to hearing the, the kind of the next chapter of the next 6, 12, 18 months. So, uh, really nice speaking to you today, Patrick.
1: You too. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Thanks for listening to our podcast with Patrick Gary, uh, co-founder and CEO of LoLAp. Uh, really interesting product. I think it's going to do really well. Um, If you're interested, comment, share, subscribe to our channel on YouTube,
1: Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks.